When famous people die, sometimes the last words they say get written down and remembered. They become famous last words. Now, one of my favorites is the last words of the United States General John Sedgwick. 150 years ago, in 1864, he was fighting in the American Civil War. He was staying out of sight with other soldiers in a trench, and he wanted to take a look at the enemy. The soldiers told him, don't stick your head above the, uh, above, uh, above the trench. But he replied, and these are his last words. Nonsense. They could not hit an elephant at this distance. Well, they couldn't hit an elephant, but they did hit a general. He stuck his head up and he was shot dead. Famous last words. Now, I don't think you can get more famous than Jesus. And when Jesus died, he spoke famous last words. And they are there in our reading today in verse 30, if you want to take a look. It says, Jesus said, it is finished. Three words. It is finished. The last words of General John Sedgwick are ironic, interesting, and humorous. Though these three words of Jesus are, if rightly understood and responded to, life-changing. Life-changing forever and ever. Now, our Bible story today teaches us three lessons. Every year, on Good Friday, all around the world, Christians celebrate that Jesus died on a cross. Jesus died on a cross. And that's lesson one. Jesus was crucified on a wooden cross. And let me read from verse 16 of our passage this morning, our story. It says, Pilate, the governor, handed Jesus over to be crucified. And Jesus carries his own cross. And at the place of the skull, or Golgotha, there they crucified him. Pilate had a notice fastened to the cross and were told, and we're told, the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And so we learn here that Jesus died in a very public way. Lots of people watched him die. And Jesus died in a horrible way. Before he was crucified, the soldiers flogged or whipped him. They would have hit him with a leather thong fitted with pieces of bone or metal. They stuck thorns on his head as a sort of pseudo-crown. They mocked and teased him. They slapped him in the face. Jesus died in a horrible way. They made him carry his own cross. They stripped him, and they hammered nails into his hands. It is indisputable. No serious historian doubts it. 2,000 years ago, in Jerusalem, a Jewish man called Jesus died on a cross. Second lesson. Jesus died as a king. As a king. The soldiers dressed Jesus up as a king with a crown of thorns and a purple robe. They were teasing him and mocking him, but he actually was king. A king is someone who rules or reigns over people. So who is Jesus king over? Who are the people he rules? Well, in our story today, Jesus rules over three groups of people. First, Jesus is king of the Jews. 
a pilot wrote something down on a sign that would go above Jesus' head on the cross, uh, like a name tag or a title. But it didn't say, Mr. Jesus. What did it read? Verse 19. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Now, the Jews were the people of Israel, the nation God chose a long time before Jesus to belong to him. The king of the Jews was a title to describe the Messiah, a king that would be sent by God to rescue and to rule, to rescue Israel and rule over them with love and kindness. Now, some of the Jewish leaders, uh, called chief priests, didn't like what Pilate wrote and they complained. Anyone who rejects a king or seeks to take the place of a king is guilty of treason. These Jewish leaders complain that Jesus is guilty of treason because they said he wanted to be king instead of Caesar, who was the king of the land, the Roman king. But Pilate said, no, I won't change it. Jesus is king of the Jews. Now, ironically or surprisingly, it was these Jews who were actually guilty of treason because they rejected Jesus who was their true king. Jesus was king of the Jews, yet he was also, secondly, king of everyone. Everyone. King of the whole world. Take a look at verse 20 again. Pilate's sign is written in three languages, Aramaic, which the Jews spoke, and then Latin and Greek. Three different languages spoken by different people from different places. The point being made is that Jesus is the king of everyone. The king of the Jews is actually the king of everyone. Lesson one, lesson two, and then thirdly, or groups, first group, second group, third group, Jesus is the king of a new family. He's king of his new family. In John's story, we see how Jesus, or rather how the Jews, reject Jesus, and how the world rejects Jesus. And then we also see how Jesus starts a new group, that he chose 12 Jewish guys and then started calling not only Jews to follow him, but also those who weren't Jews. Jesus started gathering Jews and non-Jews, people from all different groups and languages and nations, all gathered into God's new true family, people who believed Jesus was king and followed him as king. And there's a glimpse of this as Jesus hangs on the cross in our story today. In verse 25, we learn that near the cross of Jesus stood Jesus' mother Mary, her sister, another Mary, wife of Clopas, and another Mary, Mary Magdalene. Four women, three Marys, and one guy, John. Verse 26, Jesus saw the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing nearby. We're told they are standing near the cross. And Jesus highlights to them and to us who are listening in that they're all now family. Jesus tells his mom, now John's your son. He tells John, my mom, she's now your mom, your family. You're God's family. So, Jesus is king of the Jews, of everyone, 
And he is personally the king of a new family who will stand with him. So lesson one, Jesus died on a cross. Lesson two, Jesus died as king. And lesson three this morning, Jesus died because of? Because of why? Well, did Jesus die because Jewish leaders trump up charges against him? They make up things? Did he die because the crowd cry out, crucify him, crucify him? Does he die because Pilate is weak and gives in and condemns him? Does he die because soldiers nail him to a cross? Well, yes, 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 and no. Human hands may have driven in the nails, but behind all this, God is in control. That's lesson three. Jesus died because it was God's plan. From the very beginning, before the world was even made. God made promises to Abraham and to Israel that he would send a Messiah or king to rescue his people. God made lots of promises over a long time. He gave his word on things. And here, when Jesus is dying, those words come true. They are fulfilled. Each promise is kept. In verse 23, the soldiers took Jesus' clothes dividing them into four, with the undergarment remaining, they said, let's decide by lot, by throwing dice, who gets what, or who gets it. Why did that happen? Because this is what God promised would happen. Verse 24. This happened that scripture might be fulfilled, that what was promised long time ago would come true. Later on, verse 28, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Now, why did he say that? Because God promised that it happened. Verse 28, so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And later, when the soldiers take Jesus' body down from the cross, they don't break his legs. Why not? Well, you guessed it. Because God promised. Verse 36. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Do you see, Jesus' death was not an accident. It was not a bad turn of events. God was in control. Jesus' death was all arranged in detail before the world was made. This is the moment history has been heading towards. Jesus isn't hanging on the cross despite being king. He hangs on the cross precisely because he is king. It is God's plan, promised and fulfilled. Which means it is mission accomplished, job done. In verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. Finished. Not in the sense, I'm tired and I can't go on. But in the sense, it, God's plan, is finished, completed, accomplished, achieved. This is a victory cry. Job done. This is what an athlete in those days would say when he finished a race and won. He crossed the finish line. He would say, it is finished. I've won. Jesus came with a plan. He came on a mission. No one took his life away. He laid it down. He, verse 30, bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. 
He gave up his life. The job done was a job to rescue people from sin, to forgive and gather a new family, a job done by dying for sin as a punishment and penalty for our sin. So Jesus could really say, it is finished. Famous last words. But they're not his last words, actually. Because Jesus rose again and he conquered death and he's alive. And he continues to speak to us today by his spirit through his word, the Bible. Well, there's three lessons. In chapter 19, John tells the story that Jesus died on a cross. That Jesus died as king and that Jesus died because it was God's plan to rescue us from sin. John also tells us all this for what reason? What difference should this make to you and me? Well, verse 35. Here is John's reason for writing. The man, that's John, who saw it, that's Jesus' death. John saw Jesus' death. Has, he says, has given testimony. And his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that, he testifies so that, what? So that you also may believe. That's why Jesus tells the story. That's why John, sorry, tells the story. The story is here that you and I may believe. Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the King. Believe that Jesus died for our sin. And that by believing, we may have life in his name. Life, true life, eternal life, everlasting life, as we sang about it. In his name. In the name of Jesus. In him, we have all that. Now, that's really good news. It's great news. Here is a king who died as king, as part of God's great plan to rescue people like you and me, to bring us back into relationship with him so that we didn't need to face death, but that we could enjoy life forever and ever, good life, true life, eternal life. Well, I think there's three possible ways that you and I might respond today. You could say, thanks, but no thanks. I've enjoyed today, but Jesus isn't for me. Now, God does say our choices come with consequences. And this is a life and death choice. But each of us are free to decide for ourselves. So you could say, thanks, but no thanks. Second, you might say this morning, I'd like to know more. You're not convinced that you'd like to investigate further. And we encourage you to come along on Sundays to keep coming and to ask questions and to come chat. Uh, we want to give honest answers to honest questions. We want truth to persuade. Though we also have a course over three Wednesday nights, as Hamish mentioned earlier in the notices. It's coming up soon. It's called Christianity Explored. That's going to happen from July the 20th, or Wednesday night, uh, over uh, a few weeks. I think it's six weeks. Six weeks? Six weeks. Uh, three, six Wednesday nights. And it's designed specifically to help people investigate Jesus, to know more about who he is and what he came to do. 
It's, it's a great course. And to do it over a good meal, without being put on the spot, and with freedom to ask questions. So come along to that if that's where you're at. But thirdly, another response may perhaps this morning you're saying, oh, I'm convinced. I get it. Jesus is king. He died for my sin, and he offers life in heaven forever. It's really good news. Well, if that's where you're at, you're making a life-changing decision today. And let me suggest that you do a couple of things. Firstly, talk to God. Tell him what's in your heart. Say sorry for your sin. Say thanks for dying for my sin. And say to him, I believe I want to trust you as king from this day forward. I'm actually going to pray very soon. And as you follow along, you may or you could echo the words of my prayer in your own heart. So talk to God. And then secondly, talk to us. Uh, we'd love to know and we'd love to celebrate with you and we'd love to welcome you into God's family. So let us know because we love seeing God's family grow. We're about growing followers of Jesus. We want to grow new people into the family and we want to grow as members of God's family.